listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's OBEHAVE with Arden Moore, the show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Join Arden as she travels coast to coast to help millions better understand why cats and dogs do what they do. Get the latest scoop on famous faces. They're perfectly pampered pets in Who's Walking Who in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails. Garner great pet tips and have a doggone fur-flying fun time. So get ready for the pause and applause as we unleash your all-behave host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome to the Obehave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Now, we know about the many jobs dogs are capable of performing. We have service dogs, guide dogs, drug detecting dogs, bomb sniffing dogs, and perhaps you've even trained your dog to fetch the TV remote for you. But here's a sentence I never thought I would say on the show. There are cats who have J-O-B-S. Yes, working cats. And here to showcase some of these hardworking felines is New York Times best-selling author, Lisa Rojak. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thanks for having me, Arden. Now, Lisa's latest must-get book is called Cats on the Job, 50 Fabulous Felines Who Purr, Mouse, and Even Sing for Their Supper. We're going to learn more about who these fine felines are right after we take this quick commercial break. So sit, stay, purr, groom with your cat. We'll be right back. Time for a pause. Four furry ones actually sit and stay. All Behave will be right back. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com All Behave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome back to the Obehave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. We're welcoming New York Times bestselling author Lisa Rojak. Now, when it comes to being an author, she definitely has range. Her books have included biographies on President Obama, Stephen King, and Jon Stewart, as well as War Dogs, and now Cats with Jobs. Lisa's here to discuss Whiskered Workers, Cuddly co workers profiled in her latest book, Cats on the Job, 50 Fabulous Felines Who Purr, Mouse, and Even Sing for Their Supper. Let's dive in, Lisa. I mean, really? Cats with jobs? (laughs) What inspired you to write a book about this topic? Well, after my first animal book, which was Dogs of War, which came out in 2011, we did a follow-up book called Dogs of Courage, which was about other kinds of working dogs. 
decide um, that we're not in the military. So we had service dogs, therapy dogs, science sniffer dogs, after dogs. And so that book did well, too. And so I thought, you know, how about doing a book on cats with jobs? And, of course, it started off as one big goof. But then I started to do some research and dig in, and I actually found some bona fide, hardworking, non-goofball cats with jobs. And so I suggested it to my editor. He said, sounds fine. I found some pictures of, of the working cats, which, of course, numerous pictures were showed the cats fast asleep. <laughs> but they're still on the job. <laughs> well, they do sleep you know? a lot, yeah. Yeah, they're still on the job. I mean, napping napping is part of the job description for most of the cats that I profiled in the book. And so, you know, things just kind of went from there. And I and, and I also interviewed you for Ziki. Okay, so we're having issues with pronunciation. <laughs> yeah. Was Ziki's name pronounced Ziki or Zeki or? It's Ziki, like. Oh, Ziki, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Yeah. Ziki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ziki was a teaching assistant cat and that I found for the book. And when I first started doing, you know, making my list, there were several categories who I re- that I really wanted to be in the book, and, and I couldn't find them or I couldn't get great pictures of the cats. And, for instance, for, for Ziki, the picture of him willingly wearing the blue cone of shame. I mean, that, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great Well, it, well Ziggy's a girl, but yeah, she did wear that medical recover collar. I told her it was her blue bonnet, that she looks very <laughs> fashionable in it. You know, with cats, it's all about, it, it's all in the phrasing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a blue bonnet. And then the picture of Ziki, you know, performing CPR on the stuffed dog was, just hysterical and that and the but that's a serious picture so she was into it she was actually at a dog boarding facility seriously a cat showing no fear all nine pounds and i was giving a talk as people may know i have a master instructor in pet first aid and have the only teaching cat and when ziki was there i was trying to tell the students now here's how we do the compressions to perform CPR on a dog, and they all started laughing, and I said, what's going on? They go, uh, turn around, and there was Ziki <laughs> on the demo dog, kneading on the heart. I actually, Lisa, I have a video of it, too, and so I put that in my presentation, so I tell people, if a cat can do CPR on a dog, you have no excuse. Oh, great, great. Yeah, so, you know, I, I found you, I mean, I've known you for a while anyway, but then, you know how you write a book? And you look through it and you think, oh, I should have put this in that order and that in this order. I'm now seeing that the dog trainer cat, which appears earlier in the book, um, that's with Cheeto, Cat Albrecht of Missing Pet Partnership. Ziki and Cheeto would have been great next to each other because Cat trained Cheeto to serve as a dog trainer to, to basically serve as the target cat for dogs to find when she was training her own dogs and other people's dogs on how to search for missing cats. Right. And again, it has a great picture. There's a picture of Cheeto in a cat carrier up in a tree looking out. And, uh, you know, and then that's another thing about, you know, people People are a little bit in dis- always in disbelief when they first say, you know, cats who work. 
And a lot of times they also respond the same way when they say cats like dogs. I mean, we all know about cats who both love dogs and who, you know, are stereotypical with dogs. But, you know, Ziki and Chio were both off the charts, I guess, in several rounds. <laughs> Well, so, yes, and I love that picture of Tito up a tree in a carrier. And if you look at the picture, because everybody's going to get this book, Cats on the Job, right? It's a no-brainer. you got to get this book, listeners. Of course, of course. The cat looks so calm and relaxed and, most of all, confident. Yes, definitely. And confidence is a very important, it's almost a vital personality trait for a good number of the cats profiled in the book from Carlo, who's the firehouse cat who actually lives and works in a firehouse in New York City on Manhattan's Upper East Side. And Carlo is actually quite famous because he has his own Instagram account, which is how I found him, you know, in order to interview him and his owner and to include in the book. The number of cats, like I was saying earlier, I made a list of possibilities for the book. And then once I started digging into research, they kind of led me, my research led me to categories which I would have never been able to make up, you know, in a whole year of research. Like like nurse cat. Like again, there's this there was this cat named Popeye who was unadoptable. He lived at the Indianapolis Humane Society and basically he started to hang out outside the veterinary surgical suite every morning and they would put the dogs and cats and puppies and kittens coming out of surgery on the floor to recover. And Popeye just kind of waltzed right in and created his own job and would serve as a comforter and hot water bottle, in a way, to these animals coming out of surgery. And the veterinary staff and the shelter staff there said that these animals recovered much more quickly. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about Popeye, Lisa, because that was one of my favorite tales, pardon the pun. And if you look at the picture of this beautiful cat, this cat has had some health problems. In fact, he had some kind of an injury, I guess, to his right eye. So he's a one-eyed working nurse cat. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, nobody wanted to adopt him. And so, you know, in the cases of, in at, at many shelters and veterinary offices, they'll have a mascot cat or a dog who just basically lives there, and this and the staff takes care of them, and Popeye was that, and Popeye created his own job. He just walked right in and started to do this, you know, take care of the, the recovering animals, and, and he's just one tail, but a lot, one thing that a lot of the cats in the book have in common is that they create their own job. Right, and I think um, there's a point there, because sometimes... In this age of social media and Instagram and Facebook and all these things, cats are pretty off the chart when it comes to hits on social media. But you can't force a cat to do something he or she does not want to do. So in your research for your book, Cats on the Job, what are a couple things that you noticed maybe to share with our listeners about the catitude, I guess, when it comes to finding a purpose? Well, it's, it was kind of a two-way street art, and I think, between the people and the cats, uh, whether the cats just kind of showed up one day or whether they were already part of the fabric and then they decided to create their own job. A lot of the cats in the book initially started their jobs because they were brought in by humans to keep down the rodent population. And in a lot of the cases, 
once that was taken care of, which usually in a lot of instances happens very quickly after the cat is brought on the premises because the mice and the other rodents can smell the cat, they're not going to want to come on to the premises, no. <laughs> you know. And so the cat either becomes just a fixture or looks around for something else to do. And so that's what happened, like the weather observer cat at the top of Mount Washington here in New Hampshire. I mean, when Mount Washington, when the observatory first opened back in the 20s and 30s, they always had cats because they were little more than shacks back then. And, you know, rodents had a field day, essentially. And so there have always been cats up there, and they, which they adopted from a shelter at this point. And so there's still, there's still mice and vermin up there, but, you know, people expect there to be a cat at the observatory. Now, and books have been written about the previous cats, and Marty, who's a black, long-haired Maine Coon, is the current... Summit res- cat? Feline <laughs> resident, yes. Well, on this one, because I'd like to be able to spend a little time with a couple of the ones like you're mentioning, we got to give people an idea about these cats. Let's take an example of the weather observer cat. You know, there was Nin and now Marty, but this summit is up 6,288 feet up in the air. That's more than a mile. I mean, where did these cats come from? Heaven? (laughs) No, they get them from a local shelter down in North Conway, and they have to scream the cats because, you know, it's a tourist attraction. There are people coming up. Not only are there a lot of tourists who come up and hikers in the summer, but the weather station up there, there's a radio station, there's transmitters, there's it's, it's not just a bunch of shacks like it was in the 30s and 40s. And right. so these cats, whoever they adopt and bring on as a feline employee, have to be good, has to be good with people. And there's a, also a, a full-time staff. The, because it's so hard to access in the winter, the employees will go up for a week at a time and then go up and come down in snowcats during the winter. And... So the cat is actually, this is a great little factoid about the observatory cats. The cat is the only cat, is the only employee who does not leave the mountain. The wow. only time the cat will leave the mountain is to go to the vet. And I recently heard a few months ago when, when Marty had to go to the vet, he was very unhappy to leave the mountain because that's his, that's his home. You know? His ears were probably so, popping too as he descended. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Poor kitty. So, you can't give um, him chewing gum. Right, right. But Marty, you know, helps attract tourists, but also the educators up at the summit will do live internet shows to uh, school children around the country. And he'll be giving his talk and demonstrating with some of the equipment and everything, and Marty will do a photo bomb. <laughs> Marty will either show up in front of him, or he'll, there was one case that I mentioned in the book where Marty was kind of playing with a catnip mice mouse in back of the human employee, and he didn't. The, the, the guy didn't know why everybody was laughing on the other end until he turned around and saw Marty, you know, playing with the mouse. You know, people talk about dogs having a sense of humor. I think cats definitely have a sense of humor. They're just more subtle about their humor. They're not doing puns like dogs. You know, they're kind of like you got, they have a very dry sense of humor. And like you say, photobombing, that's kind of a feline art. 
<laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. So, yeah, so there, there's Marty, there's some total goofball employees, feline employees, like the minister cat. That is one of my favorite photos on page 50, 51. 51, back in the 80s, and Cisco, he was a round tabby named Cisco in, in Ireland, and there were a number of churches that would start up for the tax. They weren't really run by religious people or founded by religious individuals, but people started these universalist life church for the tax benefit. So somebody said, why can't we ordain a cat? The cat can be a minister, yeah. and so they sent away the application and a check, and got back. You know that the uh, cat was ordained, and, and the name, took the name of Reverend Cisco Cassidy, and the cat was fully <laughs> enabled to marry people and preside over funerals and sign service justice of the peace. And so the owners started to rent the cat out as to perform wedding ceremonies, and the cat, the picture of the cat, was wearing a black. I don't know what you call it, but a white collar. Yeah, looking very uh, Catholic, I guess. A Catholic cat, maybe, but it's yes, got the yes, religious yes. collar. <laughs> yes. And so, but, you know. And he looks serious. He does look serious and spiritual. Yes. <laughs> and the bride <laughs> looked really happy. So, you know, it was just so amusing. I laughed constantly during the research of the book. And, you know, they're my all-time favorites, the Pizza Hut cats from Japan. We're going to find out a little bit more about a few of these cats profiled in Lisa's book, Cats on the Job. But we got to take a quick commercial break. And Lisa, I do want to talk to you because I admire your range as a researcher and a writer. And I want to talk to you about some of the other books that you've done and maybe what's up on the docket next. So everybody, sure. just sit and stay. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages. Looking for the best advice on pet health, safety, and travel? Connect with the Pet Lady. Dana Humphrey, also known as the Pet Lady, will surely be in a city near you real soon. She will be spreading the good news for pets and pet lovers from tips on dog and cat care, pet industry trends, and the best events for you and your four-legged family members. Need a great gift idea or insights on the hottest pet gadgets? Simply follow the Pet Lady on Twitter at Pet Lady World. You can also learn more at the Pet Lady at thepetlady.net. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hi, this is Joyce DeWitt. You may remember me from Three's Company, inviting you to have the good sense to tune in to the adorable, amazing Arden Moore on Behave on Pet Life Radio. We're back from the lot. Just checked the paper and we had a record showing at the box. The letterbox, that is. Now back to Behave. Here's Arden. Welcome back to the Obehave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. We're talking about cats who have jobs and not just the mousers. We're talking about cats that perform in churches, in hospitals, pet first aid, helping dogs. I mean, you name it. The range is amazing. I know cats have nine lives, but as Lisa pointed out in her books, 
There's 50 different jobs portrayed in Cats on the Job book that she's authored, and she had to narrow that field down. Lisa, how's the book going, and how do people get their paws on a copy? Oh, the book's doing fine. It just came out a few weeks ago, and they can go to Amazon. They can go to their local bookstore and place an order. In fact, a week ago, I had a book signing with the bookstore cat down in Massachusetts. And that was that was a hoot. That was, you know, the bookstore owner put together a paw print rubber stamp with Boswell's name on it. And I signed the title page and Boswell signed the bookstore cat page. And, nice. But, nice. But well, I'll tell you what, Lisa, I'm based in Dallas now. If you're ever in the Dallas area, I would love to have you come and we would do something and promote you and all that. It would be kind of fun to have you sign your books there because I work with a lot like the SPCA of Texas. So just keep it on your docket. If that's something that would happen, we would welcome you. I just moved there from uh, California. So I know the whole lyrics to deep in the heart of Texas. So I wanted to feel like I belonged. This was your first venture for felines. But your range with the two-leggers is pretty amazing. Three different genres. We got Stephen King, President Obama, and John Stewart. I mean, tell us a little bit about those books and how you got to create these books. You've got Barack Obama in his own words. I think your biography on Stephen King was called Haunted Heart. And yep. I love the title for John Stewart's Angry Optimist, <laughs> The Life and Times of John Stewart. So tell us a little bit about how you were able to do these books. Right. By having a serious case of ADHD, <laughs> wanting to learn about everything. Um, that's, that kind of explains why. So you're I, more curious than a cat. Yeah. I don't, and I, I need my afternoon nap, but I don't need as much sleep as a cat either. Huh. But, you know, I've been, I've been writing books since the late 80s, and I've been writing freelance full time since, the early 80s. And so I don't like to stay on one beat for that long. I've written about everything under the sun over the years, both in books and and in magazine and online articles. And I did six biographies, including John Stewart and Stephen King and Shel Silverstein. And the uh, President Obama book was a quote book I was in New Hampshire, and so every four years we have to suffer the yahoos who come traipsing all over the state <laughs> yeah. during the primary season. The primary really never ends up here. And so, you know, I would see the local people would be doing these stories about these wannabe candidates before they announced their candidacies and before anybody else knew about them. So I was, I always had the antenna up for them. Right. And so I started to do these quote books years ago. I think the first was on Colin Powell. And then I did Howard Dean and Barack Obama before anybody really knew of him. And so I did the quote books, and I still do the quote books. But the biographies are full-length works. And the quote books kind of led into me doing the biographies. And I, I've done six of them, and I've done, I don't need to do any more. there's no challenge in it you know I don't learn and I learn about the person but I don't learn anything about you know writing and structure and research and so I got into the I started the dogs of war which was about military working dogs that was my first animal book that came out and that still sells well and so I'm working on a second military working dog book now dogs of war was 
straightforward prose. There were photo inserts in it and everything, right. but it wasn't laid out like Cats on the Job where the pictures pop. The pictures are front and center, and I think I already mentioned that if, the, if I couldn't find a picture, but I loved the subject of a cat, like I wanted to put in a funeral cat in the book, in Cats on the Job, a cat who was kind of a grief therapy cat at, and lived at a funeral home, and the people who were mourning and planning services this cat would comfort them, and they would feel better. And I, I found one. I found two, but I couldn't find pictures that were good enough. And mm-hmm. so that was that kind of served as a screening process for cats on the job. But so what I'm doing with the next military working dog book is we're going to format it exactly like cats on the job. Fifty good. different military dogs and lots of pictures. Sometimes like four or five pictures, but not limited to military working dogs. But one thing that has come out of the whole interest in military working dogs are dogs who, you know, regular non-trained military dogs who have are trained to become service and, and therapy dogs for disabled veterans. So I'm profiling some of them. Also, a lot of the soldiers over in Afghanistan and Iraq have brought back strays. And so now there are several foundations that exist to bring back these strays from military bases overseas. So I'm just starting work on that book. But I also have another book coming out in May, profiling the library cats who appeared in Cats on the Job. And those Baker and Taylor were famous library cats. Uh, the library wholesale company called Baker and Taylor used these two Scottish folds as their mascot. And they became very, very famous in the 80s and 90s. And they lived in a little library in a teeny town south of Reno called Minden. And I interviewed, basically the book is essentially Jan Louch's memoir. And I interviewed her and a lot of people and dug through the archives. And it is her story that we, we co-authored it together. So that's coming out in May, and that should be a big, exciting book. The publisher is excited about it, which, as you know, is always a good sign. <laughs> right. And you know that there'll be at least one library that's going to be promoting your book. Yes, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> so, and library, you know, it's, it's the story of the cats, the story of Jan's life, but it's also the story of how libraries have changed since then, because you know, when they first got the cats back in 80, 1983, you know, high-tech, there was very little technology in libraries. And one of the jokes was when they first, when CD-ROM CDs first appeared on the scene, the librarians at the Douglas County Library stared at it, stared at it and said, hmm, is that a drink coaster or a frisbee? <laughs> <laughs> so it was a fun book to research, and, but it was very, very different from any other book that I have written so far. but um, Well, we look forward to hearing and seeing this book, Lisa. And I think listeners deserve and need to know that in addition to your amazing range as an author, you weren't somebody that just has worked at the same job nine to five for all your life. I mean, share a little bit of, I'm really curious about you selling funeral equipment and being a hearse driver and a monkey spoon collector, but let's do a rundown of the occupations beyond New York Times bestselling author. Again, it goes back to the ADHD. I just, I, you know, I have taken little breaks here and there from writing because, you know, it's very, very intense. So I, I've actually bought and sold old funeral equipment 
for a couple of years back in the early <laughs> thousands. And that, you know, again, I, I researched and I have a, an unfinished novel set in a draw based in a funeral home that I will get back to some revising and rewriting and bringing to the light of day at some point. But, you know, it's, it's, I've always been interested in the weird stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, right? <laughs> right. No, but I love it. I mean, you would be the perfect person at a cocktail party. I wouldn't even have a have to have a drink in my hand. I'd still be, I'd be fascinated by talking with you. Yeah, it's, it's, there's too much in this world that I want, I'm curious about. And when I was a kid, actually, I didn't go to college. I didn't like writing. I didn't like English. I liked puzzles. And I liked reading, though, and I would read the Help Wanted ads and always be able to project myself into every single job. Oh and God. I couldn't, and, and I think that has helped me as a writer because I'm able to project myself into other people's lives. And I'm genuinely curious about what it's what, what the day-to-day life of a garbage collector is. Um, not so much of a, about a lawyer because it needs to be, they need to be at a desk. I, I've never been, even though I spend a lot of time online right. and at my computer and at a desk, I can come and go as I please, you know, as, even when I'm under a deadline. I don't have to answer to somebody else except when there's a deadline, but it's, it's my also, it's also my self-imposed deadline in a way. I so, think that's a good, a good point because I've written about 30 some books and I wrote, was a newspaper reporter for 20 years and I'm like you, it's like, yeah, you're behind the keyboard but you don't have to punch a clock. Right. And we're calling the shots. And we, you know, you and I probably put in more hours of intense work and actual brain time than right. somebody. We might work, we might be doing that maybe three or four hours a day. And that's a lot. That's a long time to be actively engaged with, right. your, with thinking and problem solving and puzzling out, like, where does this profile belong in this book, or how do I puzzle, what's wrong with this paragraph, stuff like that. Well, your analogy so, of the puzzle, putting pieces together, is right on target, because when you are writing a book, you're almost like an orchestra conductor, you're making sure all the parts are in harmony, and what you said in chapter one doesn't conflict with chapter two, or whatever, but the pieces of the puzzle, yeah, you've got to put them in the right order. Exactly. There's also a magic and a mystery to it. I, after I finish a book, I look back and I think, how did I do that? I have no, I have recollection of doing it, like with the Baker and Taylor book. I interviewed so many people and I interviewed Jan for days and I was able to, you know, there were always these little turns of phrase or these little cute little anecdotes or these heartwarming stories that these people had that I always thought, you know, this, this belongs somewhere. I don't know where. I'll put it in a, another file of miscellaneous stuff. And, one, and, and I know exactly it's when you're writing the book, you also, a book like that or any book, you have to be down in the grass right. at that level. And you have to also have in the back of your mind, the arc, the tops of the trees and place, be able to place where these different stories go and where they belong. And again, like I was saying, I thought, oh, I could have put the dog trainer cat next to next to your cat. And you're always going to look at old books that you've written and say, hmm, oh, I should have, wish I could still change that, but of course you can't. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, you but that's okay. I think it's, it's good because we strive for perfection, but we don't 
get to perfection, but we get close to it on some books like you have, Lisa. And I think that's okay because I think that keeps us going. Yeah, because you always think, oh, so of the next one, I'll get it exactly right. And of course you won't. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it does, it's, that's a good point because it does keep us going. On a personal note, Lisa, I do thank you. You did a perfect job of capturing the essence that was Ziki, America's first pet safety cat. And I really was touched because she had quite a following and she helped a lot of people. And we would go to the military hospitals when I lived in California and she would just sit on the laps of the military's wounded and, and just purr, a very gentle purr. And there was some connection that she had with them. So she was not only helping us in pet first aid, but I think she helped a lot of people and you captured her well. And I'm laughing because you even got in a mention of her successor, my orange tabby, who is longer than an accordion named Casey, <laughs> who has been the last year being the pet safety cat. And he's a clown. He's a class clown. And we've taught kids in uh, SPCA of Texas, and we're going to be teaching some seniors in Allen, Texas and other places. And this cat just walks in and has never met a stranger or a strange place. And his purr is loud, like a diesel, but he does dog-like tricks. And I think Zeke is kind of channeled saying, dude, you, you came into this, you got a job, and it's it's to help people learn pet safety. So I don't know if he's stoked about it. He, he saw his name in print. He was pretty cool. I just wanted to tell you he gave you a big pause up. <laughs> oh, great. Thank you. I mean, this is what it's all about because people don't expect to see First of all, you walk into a hospital or you walk into an office or a distillery or some tourist attraction and you don't you see an animal there, a dog or a cat. If you see a dog there, your mood's going to lighten up, which also means the staff, their mood is permanently lightened, you know, during the course of a regular working day. If they have a bad day, they can always turn to the dog. But with a cat, when you see a cat in a workplace, that kind of, that makes a lot of people do a double take and right. they don't understand it. And then when they're, when they are able to pet the cat, experience the cat and see how that affects how the just the presence of a cat, even if it's sleeping 18 hours a day on the job, you know, it still changes people, people's perceptions and perspectives of whether you're a visitor client, a customer, or a staffer. And, you know, you just perfectly described with Ziki sitting on the laps of the veterans. I mean, it's, it's so little and it's so simple, but it has such a huge effect. And that's one thing, you know, I, I like to say, oh, it was such a goofball book to do, but no. again, that's what it's all about because it, just the presence of the cat in the workplace. You were spot on, Lisa. And I want everybody to know that I want you to dash over to Lisa's website. It's Lisa Rojak, and it's L-I-S-A-R-O-G-A-K.com. And it's it's a very clever homepage. I'm not going to spoil it for everybody, but you mm -hmm. definitely got to know that the gal loves libraries when you get on her homepage. Again, her book is called Cats on the Job, 50 Fabulous Felines Who Purr, Mouse, and Even Sing for Their Supper. I love this book. This is a treasure. This is a book I'm going to be giving to some of my friends because you get their essence, all 50 cats. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm a fan. Oh, well, thank you so much, Arden. I really appreciate that. 
All right, and at this time, I want to give a pause up to my producer, Mark Winter. He is the one behind the scenes for all the shows on Pet Life Radio. We are the number one pet radio network on the planet, probably even on Mars, too. Take that, Matt Damon. And uh, you know, we have over 6 million people tuning in to all our shows. I really hope uh, you all get your pause on this book. It is called Cats on the Job. You will love it. And until next time... This is your flea-free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there. Oh, behave! Coast to coast and around the world, it's all behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.